1: Hello and welcome to the RotoViz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Dave Fonlaco. Joined as always by my co host, Matt Wispay, this podcast is being brought to you by Blue Wire. And of course, we are on the RotoViz main feed. We can also be found uh, at College Football Fantasy Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us today. Matthew, how the hell are you, buddy? i'm good we're uh rolling
2: without a show doc today so today's mm-hmm. gonna be a little bit more free flow um i'm trying out a new pair of headphones because this week i decided to destroy a pair of beats um because i'm that cool kid who's an idiot and tries <laughs> to fix things at three in the morning don't do this kids um i'm i'm okay i mean life's life's a little bit hectic right now dealing with uh some real life day job stuff but uh it is what it is i mean we are we are uh Coming up on signing day, the the fake signing, the late—I don't even know what to call it anymore. What I think it's the, the, late, real, signing day, the yeah. <laughs> late signing day. Yeah, late signing day for college football players. Then and, and yet the number one player in college football or the number one high school player probably won't sign on this right. day. So it's going to be crazy. Uh, JT Tua Malau, hes probably not signing until April
1: because um, he's like, Which he's it cool keeps like getting that. it keeps getting pushed back. Yeah, he's like the edge guy from. Uh, up in Washington, a lot of links, which I didn't realize how many uh, of how many Washington and and Northwest guys, uh, your Ohio state Buckeyes have landed uh, this this year, but there's a a real pipeline. Yeah. Including
2: a kid that went to his high school. Um, Yeah, No. So I, I, he's an interesting player and that's why I obviously care about recruiting. But uh, I mean, with all that we have the news that the NFL will not be hosting a traditional combine this year. Uh, We are, finishing up senior bowl week so question mark (laughs) i don't really know i haven't been following it super closely i know every year somebody gets like becomes the new hotness in uh, senior bowl week we'll we'll talk about this year's new hotness um but yeah i mean i think it's there's still football there's there's always football to talk about uh my wife asked me aren't you gonna be done with the podcast for a little bit i was like no there's always football Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm good. I, uh, I think we have a a pretty good idea of stuff to talk about, even though we're kind of in a, in a weird time, but I think we have a pretty good show for you guys today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. We're going to start with just some news. So much is going on in the coaching world that we're going to hold off on most of that uh, for a little while (laughs) because it's just, it's just forever changing and we want to be able to like really break stuff down, um, in just one cohesive um, long episode, I'm sure. Uh, but we will be talking about some players that decided to come back for either their senior year or maybe their their fifth year. Uh, some some of these guys wanted to uh, improve their their draft capital next year. I, I assume that's the main reason why, other than maybe just want to, you know... They like being old. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then we're going to spend the bulk of the show uh, breaking down uh, position by position. We're going to give you uh, Matt's top five at each position, and I'm going to ask him some questions as to, to why his players over others. And I might throw in some of my ideas along the way, uh, but that's our show. Uh, it's going to be fun. But before we really jump in, what what's one of the biggest pieces of football news that you uh, just can't stop thinking about since uh, so, maybe so since the a, beginning of the year, since the beginning of January. Uh, so there's been a big, uh,
2: this is, I, I know you said beginning of January. Uh, I care about uh, something that happened yesterday. And that was, there was a transfer commitment announced yesterday by one of my favorite running backs in all of college football, and that's Eric Gray from Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's been a bit of a dumpster fire, as everyone knows. Well, Eric Gray was kind of at the center of a lot of it, and he transferred. And now um, one of our guys, Seth McGowan, has some competition at Oklahoma. Uh, I really love this landing spot because Oklahoma year after year puts together a strong offensive line year after year. They build an offense that everyone thinks is built around the passing game, but it's actually very centered on the running game. So he's going to get a pretty solid workload. Um, he's going to jump right into that Ramondre Stevenson, like volume. I'm really excited about this because Eric Gray is my like savior of the 2022 class of running backs. And yeah, I mean, if he puts together a, a really strong year, I'm hyped.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I love it. You actually, I had missed the news and and you told me right before we hit record and I was extremely excited to hear about that. And I think it really, yeah, it it really is exciting for Debbie players to have him, but also just like you said, this Oklahoma team, we we saw them really struggle in the beginning of the year uh, to get going and to to really limit their turnovers because Spencer Rattler just had too much on his shoulders. But once they were able to get that running game going, Uh, Their whole offense started to click. Spencer Rattler started to play a lot better. So as much as we joke around in the NFL that running backs don't matter, we've talked about this here before. I think it's a completely different story in college football where just their talent uh, can really be a difference maker when going up against, you know, your average college linebacker that's never going to sniff the NFL. So yeah, I think it's a big deal. No, I'm super hyped about that one, but Uh, beyond that I
2: I mean we did go through the the declaration period and I think there were some you and I both have some like personal rooting interest in some of these names uh, as fans but uh, let's start off at with the running backs that decided to come back because I mean I'm really excited about a couple of them Uh, Zamir White um, I I think after this year we can't be super shocked that Zamir White decided to return Uh, he wasn't he didn't, I mean, he's been one of those guys that's been, we know the talent. Of, actually, wait. I got to look something up because I'm not positive Zamir White returned. I think Zamir White might have, might be going into his third year. And now I feel dumb.
1: Now I'm going to look to
2: here. Yeah. No, he was in the class of 2018. So 2019. Yeah. 2018, 2019, 2020. So he would have been eligible after this year. I forgot that he sat out his freshman year. Um, whatever I'm old, I'm dumb. Um, so I mean, he had 779 yards. He averaged 5.4 yards per carry he had of the rushing attempt, adjusted rushing attempts. He had 44% and 45% of the adjusted rushing yards. I mean, he had a pretty solid year. He's, uh, He's a good player. I, I think when you look at this year's class, he probably would have slotted... He, he, if he had gone out and been a freak athletically, he probably could have slotted into that the back end of that top five, which is a little bit questionable. But I think it's probably good for him to go back. And if that offense continues to be strong, um, like it was at the end of the year, I do think that he has a pretty solid opportunity to... Um, Boost his draft stock so um and i'm pretty sure both i'm pretty sure cook and Macintosh won't be back but if they are back i don't care zeus is still leading the pack but um I mean, if cook looking, was a
1: cook was a junior last year so i would anticipate him him well, being there so they got a they're still gonna have
2: a pretty crowded backfield whatever yeah. the guy to buy out of georgia's backfield if you're if you're me is still kendall milton but i do think that zamir white could see his draft stock improve if he puts together a year where it's, I mean, let's uh, in a year where he's not going to only play sec teams. I think that gets boosted up a little bit. If we can project him to be somewhere in the like 900 yards range, I think we're looking at probably at least some increase in his value. Again, class of 2022 kind of is brutal at the moment. So I, I think there's, there's some value there. So he's an interesting dude. Um, but let's talk about your guy for a second. Uh, we uh, we both liked him this year and said he was kind of one of those quiet names that people on the East Coast didn't know, and that's CJ Verdell.
1: Uh, you kind of threw me for threw, threw a curveball at me because you said my guy, dude. That is, I don't know. He plays he plays at the University of Oregon, which I love. He's your guy. But. I do not love CJ for I've always been kind of low on him. I don't even think he's the best running back on our team. I think if die can kind of control his fumbling problems, which to me, uh, I-, I am not one who believes that. Uh, I mean, there are some players who are, who have problems with fumbles, but I do. I think that it's, uh, it's something that, is kind of fluky at times, um, and I think Die will be the man next year. I think CJ Verdell will be playing behind him. Now we do rotate dude, Sean dollars. Or, well, dude, dollars is exciting, man. I'm really, and we got this kid Seven McGee coming in. We're gonna we're gonna have a fun running back room. But I think CJ Verdell, to your point, uh, with these other talented running backs, I I don't think he's gonna get the the workload that he requires to become like a highly sought after do you think there's a running
2: back in the Oregon room that is worth anything Debbie wise?
1: Um, I would be interested in, I mean, if you're in a super, super, super deep league, um, this kid, seven McGee, he is, he's an incoming freshman. He's a four star. He's kind of on the cusp of, of, of you know, being highly rated enough to, be someone that's interesting but he's gonna be he's one of those smaller backs he's kind of a satellite back so it's gonna be interesting to see what his role will be um i do like dollars as well i think he could be uh pretty exciting i think they both have much more upside but they're both so young we haven't really seen them do anything yet dollars was uh stuck behind verdell and die he didn't really get much play until verdell went down with an injury Um, but he he popped a little bit in uh in our in our in the Pac-12 championship game, he had had a couple good good carries, uh, but he just didn't get very many opportunities. Uh, but I, I I would I would lean towards dollars. Uh, I don't think Die has the uh, the top end speed to to get the draft capital that we would want from a running back. Uh, but I do think he's more talented than CJ Verdell. If I'm if I'm a CJ Verdell owner, I'm trying to sell him right now.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you're getting much for him anymore, unfortunately. Exactly. Yeah. I I don't I don't care if probably. I'm getting
1: anything. If I'm getting anything, I'm doing it.
2: So I think that's I think you're probably right there. The one name that we do have on this list that probably has some real chance for upside is uh, Brian Robinson. And maybe this isn't a, this probably isn't a name that everyone probably knows the name Brian Robinson. Um, particularly, and they probably he,
1: think he's the freshman running back at Texas. <laughs> um, that, that might That's be true, e-shot. but
2: that don't that one hurts. Um, but Brian Robinson, he got in a few. He got a few looks in the uh, national championship game, and he was averaging, I think, like six or seven yards per carry. He's, a, I mean, he's a strong running back, and I think getting out of Najee Harris's shadow is going to really help him. But uh, it, he's going to need to put together something pretty spectacular this year, and I'm I question whether or not they're going to have a ton of volume for him. They do still have Jace McClellan. Um, as of right now, um, they have uh, Trey Sanders. I, I don't want to insinuate too much, but I, he strikes me as a transfer portal candidate just because he is, um, he he really can't seem to find a place on this depth chart. And we're talking about a kid who was a top, uh, he was the top overall running back in his class. And I believe he was a top 10 overall prospect and he hasn't really found his footing there. So I, I do wonder a little bit, but Brian Robinson would be my early guess to lead Alabama in work. And I mean, we've seen it. Alabama can make running backs look really special because they're willing to give them the ball, even when they do have a really strong uh, quarterback. And uh, the one interesting dynamic that will be added with Bryce young is Bryce. Young's not a statue like, right. uh, like Mac Jones. And that does have, it tend to have a positive Positive impact on the running game. So, um, he's just a name to keep in mind. Again, none of these names, I would say from the running back group, none of these names are ones that you really should be buying, but they are all probably some names to monitor. Um, right,
1: right.
2: There are some really fun wide receivers though, and we're going to start with not the one that has my heart. We're going to talk about one from a team (laughs) that I hate, uh, and that's Justin Ross. I love Justin Ross. Um, I bought Justin Ross in a uh, campus to Canton uh, league as a, an incoming freshman. He obviously as a freshman, I sat there and screams that he needed to seed the field more. Um, he, he really has, I mean, he's looked special when he's been on the field. He's another one of those guys. He's six foot four. He's over 200 pounds. He's probably a little bit fat right now, realistically, because, well, he hasn't played football, but uh, coming off of a very serious neck injury question about whether or not he is, Really going to ever be able to play football again, but he did announce um, on the sixteenth of January that he would be returning to <clears throat> Clemson this uh, for this next season, and I, I think I know people are probably instinctively thinking that Clemson's going to get a huge downgrade at wide, or at quarterback next year because they're losing obviously a superstar in Trevor Lawrence, but I mean we saw it, DJ Ulangole in in some stretches he's definitely going to throw the ball around and they're definitely still going to be a very dynamic offense. So if Justin Ross comes back healthy, um, I mean, there's a chance he, I mean, I don't know what his ceiling is I don't think it's insane to think that if he looks healthy and doctors give him the go ahead, would it shock you if Justin Ross was the top wide receiver
1: drafted next year? Of course not. Of course not. It's all a matter of health. Uh, And and what his recovery looks like. I think that's spot on. I think he has the highest ceiling of absolutely anyone. So that's, that's a fun one. We're going to, I want to talk about a uh, transfer who, Oh, let uh, let me do it. Let me do it. I want to talk about a transfer too. I'm curious if it's the same guy. It probably is. It is because we talked about it. Okay. Um, So Charleston Rambo, wide receiver from Oklahoma, six foot one, 175 pounds. He was their, you know, their deep threat, Um, In 2019, where he hauled in 43 receptions for over 17 yards, he was using the kick return game. This last year, it kind of took a step back because we had the emergence of my guy, Marvin Mims, who I can't stop talking about. Uh, So this last year in the nine games, he only uh, hauled in 25 catches, only three touchdowns. But he was still super involved in the kick return game, Um, averaging over 25 yards. He he returned... um, some punts as well, but uh, he's heading to the University of Miami, which I think is an interesting fit because I think Miami's big problem was they—I mean, they had Brevin Jordan, but other than that, they didn't have a whole lot to rely on in the passing game. Uh, so I think if Derek King can get healthy, um, yeah, this could be a lot of fun uh, having Rambo in that offense. He—I yeah, uh, mean,
2: Rambo yeah, was a guy.
1: That, sorry, Rambo was a guy that I actually was really high on in the
2: offseason. Um I thought, yeah, I I remember that. I thought it well. So it was. I'm a guy that takes part in a lot of these Debbie drafts for Debbie Watch. Um, I like to do the mock drafts. I like to constantly stay ahead of the value and knowing where people are taking them. And one of the big things that you noticed was that people were trying to project and people were trying to say, This dude, yeah, he hasn't produced for anything yet, but we're going to take him. And so you saw guys like Theo Weiss going in like the third or fourth round. And then Charleston Rambo was like a last round pick. And I started to think about it and I looked at it and you're talking about in um, 2019, he accounted for 18% of the team's receiving yards and he accounted for 14% of their receiving touchdowns. Um, I just want to quickly pull it up because I don't want to state this wrong, but Theo Weiss on the other hand accounted for 15% and 13%. And I'm sorry, that was 2020. In 2019, Theo Weese accounted for 7% and 13%. So, I mean, it was you looked at it and you were just like, "Why are we?" Like, I get it. Theo Weese is the super high prospect. We knew it. Uh, we know he's got this insane value um, and maybe this huge upside. But we have never seen him do it. And you can essentially get the the Oklahoma receiver that has actually produced and has actually been a meaningful part of the offense for rounds upon rounds upon rounds later. So. It, it, that was really my whole argument. But then this year, I mean, Rambo really did take a step back. Uh, But I think that's also you, you say it's because of Marvin Mims. I say it's because they distributed the ball and Spencer Rattler. I mean, we're no, uh, no receiver on Oklahoma had more than 37 receptions. Um, so yes, Charleston Rambo had 25 receptions. So that's a pretty big knock. Um, but that's 12 less than the leading guy. So it isn't like at Alabama where it's something silly, like 40 different. So uh, I do think it's interesting. It's a, it's a unique or a good landing spot. If King is healthy at the beginning of the year, which I don't think is a guarantee. Uh, I do think he'll play for most of the year, but I don't think there, I think there's a chance he won't be fully healthy. Remember that uh, JT Daniels tore his ACL at the very, in the first game of USC season, in 2019 and we didn't see him until the last like four weeks of this season. So um I understand everyone thinks that ACLs are nothing these days, but you never know. There is a pretty decent chance that you're not going to get a full, fully healthy DR King. And I'm, I mean, my boy Tathan just left there. Uh I know they have some other talent in that room, but that QB room isn't exactly jammed with talent at the moment. There's, there's guys, but it's not, it's not like overflowing with talent. So um, he's a guy to watch. I do think if he can produce there, we're talking about a dude that probably gets on an NFL roster regardless. If he can right. end up getting a, putting together a strong season with Miami as their lead guy, maybe he's a day two guy.
1: Um, and now let's talk about my heart. Um, yes. Yeah, I well, uh, I, I guess I, I guess I well, was too soon. It was a preemptive title for last last uh, episodes when I said (laughs) E-Y-E, Olave. (laughs) I guess not. I guess uh, welcome back or you never left, uh, Chris Olave. So there's an interesting conversation that's out there that's,
2: well, so you know how most, when you are a prospect, the stars sort of have um, some type of value that maybe people don't understand. If you're you're a three, if you are a four-star prospect or higher, you are seen as draftable is that means that as a high school prospect, they are projecting you to be a future NFL talent. If you are a three-star, they are not projecting you that way. And if you are a five-star, they are projecting you as a first-round pick. I That's sort of just like, it's generic, but it's an easy way to put this in framework to think about it. So, Chris Olave was a three-star prospect. If you're a three-star prospect, do you typically assume that you're going to be a three and out? I think most I guess would assume <laughs> I think I think most would assume that if you're a three and that if you're a three star prospect, that you are prepping as if you are going to need all four years of school, right. particularly if you're Chris Alave and you are coming into one. There was other top one. He like he was the lowest rated receiver in the class Uh, that Ohio, in the 2018 class that Ohio State brought in. He was in a room that appeared to be jam packed. And we're talking about a dude that almost broke out as a sophomore. Um, Actually. Yeah, almost broke out as a sophomore. I think he, I think he saw that. Yes, he he had a fantastic uh, junior season. He had a .34 Dominator rating. Um, accounted for thirty seven percent. This is on per game, which isn't my favorite way to do this, but it's the one I have in front of me right now, and I don't feel like doing math. But he accounted for thirty seven percent of receiving yards and games he played. So I, I mean, we're talking about a dude that was the centerpiece of the offense. And we thought at the beginning of the year that maybe Garrett Wilson would come in and take some of that. We thought that um, maybe some of these young guys were going to make an impact, but he proved that he was the alpha wide receiver on a strong offense. So um, it's just a, I mean, he, I think he was in a, a situation where he sees that he is the top guy on this offense. And when he, I, I mean, is it, silly to think that he saw Devonta Smith have a similar t- or a blow up senior season and said, I can do that.
1: Mm, and,
2: yeah. um, I can earn high first round pick value by doing it. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I actually don't like this for his Debbie value. Um, cause I like younger wide receivers, but even I, the one thing that we do need to take into consideration is he's not going to be 23. Um, this was his 20, this was his age 20 and a half season. He was like, this isn't a guy who is, um, he's going in, he's going to be drafted at the age of 22. So he will be a little bit older, but he isn't going to be some Calvin Ridley who is just one of the oldest receivers in his class. So even though, um, he's coming back for a fourth year, I still like his value. I do think he has an opportunity to be great. I do question if this is going to hold back Garrett Wilson a little bit. Um, this makes me a little bit more concerned about putting Garrett Wilson as my wide receiver one, but I think both of them are buys. I think both of them become strong wide receivers in the NFL. And I actually think any wide receiver who gets another year to learn with Brian Hartline is probably doing a positive thing.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good take. I think it's uh it, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. What it means for the other guys um, on Ohio state as well. I mean, uh, let's, I think, let's go I think ahead. There's a decent chance that you're going to see, one or two wide
2: receivers transfer out of the program. I don't think it'll be, there's a lot of, I I would think speculation assumes that there would be guys from the 2020 class, one of uh, Smith and Jigba Fleming or G Scott with the, it would be G Scott. If it was going to be that, I actually wouldn't be shocked if you see some like lower key names. Uh, Cameron Babb was in that class of 2018. He was a top 100 prospect. He got injured his first two years. And this year was kind of his like supposed to be his return couldn't really ever get on the field um I think there's a decent chance he he leaves which would make me sad because I really like him um and there are a few other lower names on the board who you could just see potentially exit um I don't think there's any but I don't think this is going to dramatically impact anyone other than it might just limit the ability for a breakout for a guy like Smith and jigba or um Fleming or in the newcomer, Mekek Buka. There's, there's just a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of moving pieces, but I think we're, we're coming to this point now where, yes, I am an analytics guy. I love dominator rating. I love market share. I love all these things, but I, I've told you with Alabama, with Clemson, with Ohio state, with these, uh, with USC, with these loaded rooms, I'm taking nuance into it. And I'm saying Absolutely. how good was the offense? Did the offense make a, like, show that they wanted to get him the ball when they could and yeah and then are they going to still receive decent draft capital i think on all counts i'm i'm just taking a nuanced look so yeah uh i think we've talked about him enough this season but whatever uh still no, i think on the ohio state roster there was right. uh jeremy ruckert is a guy that returned i've talked about him a few times he's not ever going to wow you with his stats i think Let's look, he has 28 career receptions at Ohio State, uh, but he has nine touchdowns. That's a that's a pretty fun one. Um, I think he's... I think he just wants a little bit more tape. I think he wants to see the field during the regular season more. He's, again, he's not going to be super-duper old. He's going to... He, this was his age 20.4 season. I just think it's... I think he wants a little bit more tape out there because... I, in this year's class, there's a pretty clear top three and then it was up up for debate. I don't think 2022 is going to be dramatically different. And I think he has a chance to be the top receiving tight end prospect or top receiving tight end option going into next season. So yeah, he's a guy I like. I think if you're going to, he's probably a dude I actually would buy if you can get him cheap, but I don't know that. I think people who have Jeremy Ruckert on their roster are probably not going to give him up for cheap because they're seeing the same thing we see it's that every big game he seems to show up with multiple touchdowns well
1: that's what i was gonna say he finished the season so strong uh with that's what he know, does yeah i mean in the playoff and the national championship game he he was hauling in touchdowns hauling in uh very impressive one-handed catches uh i i think yeah i think he would be a tough guy to to buy right now um so but we we have some other tight ends that are also sticking around um Kate Otten for Washington decided to come back, who I know you're not that impressed with, but but that's okay. Um and then Charlie Kolar for for Iowa State. Um he, he's someone that I know you played quite a bit in DFS this year, um, as as did I on occasion. Um and, and so so it was interesting when we were talking about like the top five each position. We were saying how tight end is, you know, kind of hits a cliff after three. And, and a lot of it's because these this next tier of of tight end they, they all decided to come back for for another year so Colar's is an interesting one he's
2: huge he's six foot six 250 um he uh, he's a tight end so his volume is never going to be massive um unless you play for iowa you're not going to get targeted 50 times um or i shouldn't say 50 times because he has a 50 reception season with iowa state um so over his career, he has 1,425 yards. He's averaging 13 yards per reception. The, the, really, the eye-popping number for him is he has 17 career touchdowns. He is aver- He does have a touchdown rate a little above 10% of his receptions um, for the last two seasons. And he had, I mean, even as a freshman, he showed up. He had only 11 receptions on the year, and three of them were touchdowns. So this is a guy that has proven to be redstone value. Um I don't know what his ceiling is draft wise, but I I do kind of like him as a basically free um, type of player if you're like desperate for it. But honestly, if you're in Debbie leagues, this is unless it's super deep or people really value tight ends more uh, than they probably should. The realistic statement is that he's probably going to get to your, like your draft as a rookie. Um, So when he becomes a rookie, um, really just he's a name to watch if you start to see a little bit of buzz that he's going to go late day two he's just a guy to keep an eye on as for otten let me look at his stats let me pull it up um in four games he had 18 receptions for 258 yards um and three touchdowns i mean there's no denying it's it's valuable i just think washington's offense sucks i don't know they have no
1: desire to throw the ball at least they didn't this year
2: yeah, I think they get a little bit better next year. Um, I, they do have some talent. They are, um, I mean, this was this was Jimmy Lake's first year as a coach, and it's a super weird season. So I don't think there's any question that they probably did just leaned into their strength, which was their defense. But I mean, I don't think we're gonna get any. Uh, unfortunately, for because there is some, there's interesting talent on this Washington team. They've, I mean, the the most interesting dude on that team is Puka Nakua. And unfortunately for him, I just think that offense is going to suck. And so Washington is just, I'm not targeting anyone from there because I, I do just question, are they ever going to have enough offense that an NFL team is going to be able to just pick them comfortably? Because for as much as we love market share and we love dominator rating, there are a lot of NFL stouts that look at raw um, raw production. And yeah, I I, I
1: just... I don't have a lot of it. Yeah. You, no, so. I think he's one of those guys. He's a, he, he's a more impactful college player than he will be for like Debbie type purposes. Like, cause he, he's a good teammate. He's a good if blocker. Need, I mean, like the fans love him, but I don't think it really translates to what we're looking for. If you need an inexpensive guy in college DFS, he tends
2: to not be super pricey. And realistically, he might be their top target on that passing offense. So sure. If you need, if you need someone cheap, throw him in there and hope that he scores right um
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: cool. Well, I think I think that's pretty good for now. We'll we'll get into more of this stuff in the future of course. I'd like to take uh, a couple minutes here um to take a quick break um and then also hear about kind of your process into you know how you evaluate some of these players, um how you look at player comps, stuff like that, your your kind of philosophy around all of that. So, um let me take a quick break and then when we get back we'll uh, we'll jump into uh the meat of the program.
3: Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to GetRoman.com slash now. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED go to getroman.com/rodoviz now to get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. getromancom rotoviz. get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment.
0: What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020 RV Radio at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020 RV Radio at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing, If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show.
2: Yeah, always love hearing from my dad, Curtis Patrick. Um, He, as I, Rotoviz is a great site. Everyone should be definitely getting their membership, uh, their subscription reset for the upcoming year if it isn't already done, um, if it's coming up. Um, but Rotoviz specifically for me is I, I love the tools that Rotoviz has put together. Um, and it's, I mean, it, it does become critical to my process. Now, mind you, I'm only like first pass of most of my reviews of players. A lot of it comes from, I watch a lot of college football. I pay attention to a lot of this draft news to try and figure out what type of capital we're looking at. And so when I come out with my initial like top five, it's, Guys who I think are gonna have high capital, guys who started to hit some of the thresholds I like, and realistically guys that I've I've had high in Devi. Because if I think that if I thought they were valuable in Debbie and I start hearing confirmation that they're gonna have high draft capital, then I start to push them up my thing a little bit. But then when I start to nuance how I'm gonna pick apart uh who's my wide receiver four, who's my wide receiver five, I start to use some of the really cool tools that we have over at Rotoviz. Probably my favorite. Is the prospect box the prospect box score scout? Uh, I can't say that fast. Uh, I will. <laughs> you can take your time, Matt. I never, I never take my time. You should know that. Um, I do. But so the, the box score scout is actually a really nice tool because it's it's already updated for the 2020 season. You can go in there, um, drop in a player, any player you want. So let's look up Dwayne Eskridge, um, who is the new hotness right yeah, now. Yeah, he is. So Dwayne Eskridge, we're talking about so you jump in, you immediately see, ooh, he's a five year player at Western Michigan. His career market share of yards is 24%. Ooh, that's that's awfully pretty. When when was his breakout season? His fifth year. Okay, less pretty. Um <laughs> and okay, so here, but if you're looking for positives for him, this these are the things that should stand out. Um as we start to get official measurements they do start to populate in here as well obviously right now it's they're not not populated we don't have three cone we don't have forty we don't have all that it does eventually start to populate in there and allows for some of the sims to be adjusted for athletic comps however realistically it this is a production um based app so it does really take in primary consideration production so um so the big thing for him that you're looking at is it does tell you his career yardage over 17 yards. So he does have that field stretching ability, 15 career touchdowns. So has that scoring on kind of a pitiful offense. Um, And yeah, then it gives you dominator rating. And then the one cool thing it does, and I want everyone to understand this player comp should always be taken with a grain of salt. They are 99.999% of the time, effectively useless. However, if you are looking for someone to try and think about when you're trying to just adjust value player sims can be valuable. So the one, the kind of interesting things you can do is you can, it does allow you to input data on this to go beyond, um, just having them, um, on their production. So let's say Dwayne Eskridge right now, you know, where does CBS have him? You said they had him at 29.
1: The mock draft I looked at has Eskridge going to the saints at Pick 28 in the first round. So
2: 28. So let's say you want to go put him in. You say this this one mock draft has him at pick 28 to the Saints. So let's see. Which is crazy. It is by the way, for all those who love Dwayne Eskridge, I'm sorry, you're gonna hate me, but he's garbage. Um so now looking at his player comms that pop up, here are the first five. Um Ryan Broyles, Jordan Shipley, Zay Jones, Sterling Shepard, and Vincent Brown. So it's just a way for you to kind of adjust your belief on things. Now, here's what you kind of need to take into consideration. It does factor. What that immediately did is it it like added. He's a five year player. These are his career yardage, and we don't have forty yard data. Let's just say he runs. Let's let's even be fun. Let's give him a four point four forty. Um, see if it adjusts it at all. Mind you, my computer's slow, so I'm gonna have to vamp <laughs> for just a, just a moment. With a 4440 continuing to vamp. All right, box score scout, you are killing me. Number one jumps up to Zay Jones in that spot. So, um, obviously, I was a big fan of Zay Jones coming out of school. I am no longer a huge fan of Zay Jones as he has not been productive in the NFL, but still love him. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of what you need, the way to use this tool, and I think it's a really effective one. One of the tools, a uh, couple other tools that popped up over the last year um was the combine explorer and obviously we won't have a combine this year so i don't know if we're going to update this for pro day because obviously pro day numbers are really really questionable and i think everyone should be aware that pro day numbers are rougher to use but this is a nice tool so i'm going to use a play give me a fun rookie from last season
1: a fun rookie from last season last season give me uh justin jefferson Jefferson. Okay.
2: Jefferson.
1: Cool. Good thing I can't type. One thing you should know, I'm an idiot. Um, I, <laughs> I will say about Eskridge real quick while you're looking that up. He's an he, idiot. He's terrible. He, he had a pretty good year. Uh, he was top eight in almost every meaningful category in the Mac this year. Uh, he was number three in yards from scrimmage, number two in touchdowns from scrimmage uh number 2 in total touchdowns number 2 in kickoff return yard so the dude did have a pretty good year it's not like he he's blowing up at the quote unquote senior bowl whatever that thing is um this year uh and, and came out of nowhere um he is he definitely was productive albeit for a western michigan broncos team that uh i couldn't even tell you uh two other players on that team so <laughs> So, using the
2: Combine Explorer, because you you effectively vamped for me. Um, yes. His top comparable players, athletic. Justin Jefferson? Justin Jefferson's, what did I
1: say? No, I was just reminding oh, you. Justin
2: yeah. Jefferson's top athletic comparables were Mark Bradley, Keenan Burton, Tory Smith, Travis Taylor, and Paul Williams. You want to know what that tells me? What? <laughs> they didn't do a great job. Athletic comps are kind of rough. So anyone who's telling you that they care about athletic, um, athletic comparables are, um, probably grifting you a little bit. Um, because athleticism really isn't the huge thing. However, this is a way to just kind of put this into consideration. Here was the issue with the player you picked. He didn't run a shuttle and he didn't run a three cone. So it wow. does actually hurt him a little bit. And his bench press, uh, he didn't do. So he's zero, zero percentile and three stats. Yeah. So that's that kind of right. hurts him. That. I'm going to do let's let's do Jonathan Taylor because he was the next on my list um, in his top five comps. Um, there's a there's a bunch of garbage. There's um Mario Fannin, Robert Turbin, Chris Henry, Niall Davis. Now, Niall Davis sounds like a slight, but Niall Davis was a freak athlete. People kind of forget that. But the other big name in there is LaDainian Tomlinson.
1: Um, oh, oh, yeah.
2: So it it does just kind of give you this idea and it gives you all these and it doesn't It's not trying to tell you a hall of famer. So that's the one issue I always have with player comps is player comps have this nasty habit of comparing you at their 99th percentile outcome. Don't ever really buy into that 90. I mean, that's the issue is, is that if somebody tells you that Jamar Chase's best player comp is Jerry Rice, it's because they, they want you to know for a fact that they think that Jerry Rice is the greatest player that uh, Jamar Chase is their, their highest rated prospect ever. That's basically what they're telling you. Um, just don't buy and do a lot of that stuff. Instead of using player comps, try and look at like thresholds, try and look at um, try and keep yourself up to date on draft capital. Because unfortunately the reality of a lot of this stuff is, is um, draft capital is really one of the biggest indicators for eventual success as is, I mean, team landing spot has a huge part in it. So really, I'm not a huge player comp guy. They're just, they're sort of effective. And they're honestly, and this is a, this is kind of a self-promotion or not self-promotion, but self-help here is they're really good for writing because they allow you guys to get some type of um, mechanism for understanding a player. But uh, the other two tools are the two prospect labs um, where you can do similar things where we are um, kind of coming up with like outcomes, like potential outcomes for where players are going to end up. But like I said, my favorite tool is a box score scout because it does kind of give you just the threshold numbers. And no, I'm going to be honest. I love Excel. I love throwing things into Excel. You know what I love more than all of that? Not doing math. And that helps me not do math. So, um, I think there's a lot of stuff out there, but like I said, for me, there's a few thresholds I like to look for and then it's draft capital. And then yeah, it's, it's really a production thing for me. So I know I just hit a whole bunch of tools and a lot of those kind of become tiebreakers for me. Um, because
1: yeah. it's good to have just additional information. Like it's it good is. to know these things. It, it maybe shouldn't be like how you If determine- it's your Number
2: one thing is right. the player comps. Then you are, you will miss out on players because You're doing it backwards. yes. So what position do you want to start with? Because we well, have, uh, let's start quick, with the gross ones.
1: Let, real quick for all of you interested, as you know, you can get 10% off um, and get a 10% discount right now with the code RV radio 2021. So RV radio 2021 gets you 10% off uh, your rotoviz sub. Okay. Let's start with, uh, let's go gross first. Let's start with tight end. Okay. So my, my number one tight
2: end Hunter long out of, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah. Uh, I really don't want to get into why I love Kyle Pitts. I think the answer is we saw that he's essentially a wide receiver playing that position. Six foot six, 240. I mean, the dude's... He's big. And um, let me just quickly uh, pull up his numbers in front of me because I don't feel like... Well, you're doing
1: that. I think the most exciting and interesting thing about Kyle Pitts is the wager that you and I have on him. Will he or will he not go top 10 <laughs> you know like that that's the big um the mock draft i'm looking for looking at right now has him going pick number eight overall to um to uh the it's carolina panthers <laughs> and uh if you look at the uh what did this, i say like 15 you said yeah um but then fun. if you look at the uh the P- oh that's fun the pff uh pff one i'm looking at too. mock draft also has them going number eight Ooh. to
3: to, Mel Kiper
1: uh, though Mel Kiper has him 11 so deal with it yeah so either way one of us is drinking beer uh the winner not the loser, of course I mean, will so, probably both drink beer but yeah Kyle Pitts so uh
2: interesting things about him number one he's fairly young he's 21 he's uh but this year I mean this year was absurd and I think if anyone had got eyes on him this year they saw it 770 receiving yards 17.9 yards per reception had 20 percent of the team receptions um And then 26% of yards, twenty or I'm sorry, 38% of touchdowns had a breakout season at 31% dominator rating, which by the way, I don't typically use a 0.3 dominator as a breakout for a tight end because no one does that. Uh, He did it. He's essentially a wide receiver. I do think if there's going to be a Travis Kelsey from this class, it is Kyle Pitts. Um, My number two, because there isn't a ton to say about Kyle Pitts. I think we all... Or two is here because it's it's not brevin it's pat Fryermuth. um so pat fryer to me is it's a good thing i have literally no idea how to spell his name um pat fryer is an interesting prospect obviously everyone knows or maybe a lot of people don't know he could have declared after last season he was draft eligible um he was a dude that people thought was going to opt out before this season he he's just kind of unique um this year was a down year for him. Um I, I know he missed time and I know it was just a bad year overall, but this was kind of a step back year, but what it kind of it shouldn't be overlooked the fact that he had a 26% dominator in 2018, 22% in 2019 and yeah, it was a 19 in this year, but really what was the difference was in his first two years, he had eight touchdowns on 26 receptions in 2018, seven touchdowns on 43 receptions in 2019 and then only one touchdown on 23 receptions um i will say that he had like an 80 yard run um an 80 yard reception that he got tackled at the one yard line and that one sucked and that took away one of his touchdowns but for me i think he's just safe and i honestly i think you're looking at a dude who like on his high end of outcomes like probably 80 to 90th percentile outcomes I think you're talking about a dude that becomes the next like Zach Hertz. Mm. Um, I do think you probably see him. He'll, he'll have value in this, in this mid pack where it's I'm trying to think of like Jimmy Graham value this year, like that type of production. So you're going to get games where he's super valuable, but it'll probably be another one that becomes a little bit tight end dependent or not tight end touchdown dependent, but that's
1: most tight ends. And I'm, I, I'm pretty okay with that. Um, The thing I I liked about him a lot was that he lined up in the slot more this year than, than he did in line. So he was, he was out in a receiving position more often than he was on the line. Uh, So I think that's exciting for, for fantasy purposes. And then, okay. And then we'll
2: talk about your guy because you love him and I have been lower on him than the world. Revan Jordan out of Miami. Seven touchdowns this year, averaged 15.1 yards per reception, had over 500 yards passing. And we talked about that they really didn't have any good passing options. This was their guy that they went to. He had 44% of the teams receiving touchdowns, had a point three five dominator. I mean, it was, a, it was a really strong year. My issue with him has been that he was – while he I just don't think that offense really has been producing any talented receivers and that's part of this um he has not been a dude that's go, looks like he's going to get uh definitely not round 1 capital I don't no. think he's round 2 I think he's probably round 3 capital um because I he's not really a blocker and NFL teams do care about that so draft capital is going to be a little bit and I think there's a chance he just takes a little bit longer to develop into a consistently used one Uh, that doesn't mean that he's not three years away from being Irv Smith, which is, I know that sounds insulting, but Irv Smith is going to be a a pretty hot buy commodity this off season. Um, but I think he's good. Um, by the way, the appropriate comp for Pat Fryermuth is, is Kyle Rudolph. And I just now thought of that, but that's who he's going to be. He's going to be Kyle Rudolph. So if you liked having Kyle Rudolph on your rosters for a lot of years, because he was just all reliable, that's going to be Pat Fryermuth. So Sorry had to detour that but brevin jordan is my next guy and here is where the cliff comes yeah because after this
1: they all I kind of I, suck can i take a guess at your number four because really, i haven't told you it i thought i know you didn't, you, you didn't tell okay. me. okay who is my who is my four wisconsin jake ferguson no oh okay it's a dude is you're not expecting it? he's not oh wow That's hunter Law.
2: I do like Hunter Long. Hunter Long no, is on this
1: list. i just talking
2: about him right? It is not Hunter Long. Um, Who, I will I tell you, know about because I don't even know any more tight ends. Kenny Yeboah. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ole Miss. I don't love Kenny Yeboah. However, I think he did show in spurts this year that he was a very capable receiver, and he had the explosiveness that yeah. you, you you kind it? of look for. So he had six touchdowns, had 20% of yards in games he played, 26% of touchdowns. Um Average 19.4 yards per reception. I don't love him. He's a little bit older, but he's only 22 despite being in college for five years. But I I think he's just a, he's a meaningful player. I think he does get some used. And I I don't think he's going to be someone who you're ever going to feel great about. But if I were looking at the next group of players after the top three that I feel very good about, he is the one that strikes me as a, you could get two to three really usable years out of him. I don't know that they'll be in the next two years. Um, right. uh, he could be. Who's that dude on Houston that everyone fell in love with? I uh, can't think of his name. There's a tight end a- on H- Houston that everyone fell in love with before this year. And he's not very good. Is Aiken? <laughs> Jordan. No, it was Was it Aiken? I didn't think it was Aiken because he was people. younger.
1: I always forget.
2: But yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. He wasn't good this year and everyone started. Oh, it was a uh, Cahill war Cahill warring.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so everyone fell in love with Cahill warring at the beginning of this year and he had seven receptions. No, I'm sorry. He had three receptions. He had seven targets. He very well might be that type of player, but he also very, I mean, he could be Jordan Aiken who got into the league at an advanced age at a UCF. And I mean, had 37 receptions this year so who knows um like i said i don't feel great about any of the tight ends after this and i haven't i won't sit here and act like i spent a huge amount of time on this list um, so who's number
1: five? i have a tie Ooh! so you can so the grossest position and you're gonna give me an extra one too um number one
2: one of them is is hunter long um five touchdown receptions this year, 685 yards over 12 yards per reception. And it was his worst year in yards per reception for his career. He had 14.5, nine touchdowns in his career and two consecutive years with a dominator rating over 0.2. It's good. Uh, I don't know what, I don't have a ton to say about it. It's pretty good. It's not special, but it's pretty good. And he was, uh, I'm Boston colleges was a team this year that had some productive players. Uh, the other one is a dude that, by the way, that, that's partially because I think Hunter Long's going to have a uh, respectable draft capital. The other one, and I think he declared, I actually have to confirm this. I don't care enough to look at it right now. Oh, yeah, I do. It's because he's old. Uh, Matt Bushman uh, at a BYU um, is my other guy. Two seasons in his career where he had over a point two dominator, um, three consecutive years over 500 receiving yards and nine career touchdowns. Again, none of these guys are special, but I do think that there's a way that I see Matt Bushman having like stretches where you find him and he's playable. This is all worth saying. If you are taking more than 3 tight ends in your rookie drafts, um and it's not tight end premium, you're wasting roster
1: spots. So, even if it is even if it is tight end premium unless you're starting multiple tight ends it's probably only yeah, so i would say
2: don't be looking at this year for a super duper tight end that's why i said let's start with the gross yeah. let's now go with a position that is the least valuable of the bunch and that is quarterback um number 1 i'm going to be
1: controversial here i'm going to be super controversial well uh, hang on hang on before you start one of the thing that things that i think is interesting is that outside of Jacksonville Jaguars first pick, there's no real uh consensus on what order these other guys are gonna go in. So just and like with all these guys like Deshaun Watson and, and Matthew Stafford and all these vets that are looking at finding new teams right now, it's gonna be interesting to see what positions open up for the quarterback. So yeah, I'm excited to hear your list because uh it's I think I think it's gonna be really interesting to consensus. Guys which guys will end up playing on which teams and who will be starters and who will not. So now please. So number one, controversial Trevor Lawrence. I know
2: I'm sorry. I've talked about this a lot over the course of this year. Justin Fields is probably my preferred guy. If I'm in a rookie draft and I have him on the board and Trevor Lawrence, and I'm taking a quarterback, I'm taking Justin Fields because I take players. A lot of times if I think players are close, I take the one I like. um, And I like Justin Fields more, but I would be dumb if I was telling you that Trevor Lawrence isn't um, a little bit safer career 67% completion percentage passing adjusted yards per attempt. He had a career 9.77 this year. He was a 10.2 90 career touchdowns, 17 interceptions and eight of those were in 2019. And if you go back to the early season of 2019, there was a stretch where it was real gross and if you take that little stretch out where everyone kind of universally agrees he was a little bit bored, um it's a lot better. So he he's pretty absurd. I don't think you can go wrong. And honestly, I see him as a similar prospect to Andrew Luck in the fact that yes, he is a phenomenal passer. He appears to be have incredible arm talent, and he appears to be a um a very like insane mind at the quarterback position, but similar to Andrew Luck I think he's going to add a lot of value with his legs that maybe you're not quite expecting yeah um obviously if you throw in his uh draft I'm not even going to put his draft pick in there but his top comps are Te- Teddy Bridgewater, Deshaun Watson, Geno Smith, Tua, Patrick Mahomes like they're pretty absurd I don't think you can go I, I to me he feels like a very safe prospect as long as the situation doesn't implode. And that's, I don't think Jacksonville. I actually don't think Jacksonville is going to be a bad situation. I do think that urban Meyer will be gone in two years, but even then they're not going to move off Trevor Lawrence. And I, I think that they're, I mean, he's going to have guys like DJ Chark to throw to, and I don't think it's going to be a bad situation. Oh, and LaVisca. I know everyone loves LaVisca. I, I didn't fully love him this year. Um, All right. Number two, number two number two uh, Mac. <laughs> yeah you already you but are Justin lying. Fields I'm sorry uh I don't care uh he had a 70 completion percentage this year and people seem to think that he didn't complete passes and he wasn't accurate yes he
1: was I think technically um, it was 69.9 percent completion I'm sorry I don't <laughs> I'm on our box score scout and I'm lazy and I'm not switching uh he was
2: God, he was so bad this year. His passing touchdown interception was 22 to six.
1: Well, when you so, compare it to 2019, yeah, when it was, when 40, was 40, 40, 40, 41 to three. And by yeah. the way, I'm insane. Yeah. I mean, he's
2: bonkers. Um, the, one concern, um, the one concern, the one concern, if you're looking for reasons to be concerned, here are the things. He does hold onto the ball a little bit too long because he is very confident in his ability to make something happen with his legs. And he wants plays to open up deep. Um, I think if you go to the Clemson game, there was one drive where he was rolling around and he got sacked on a play. And that was like the end, and it was fourth down, they punted after that. And then the next drive, he basically did the same thing. And that's when Jamison Williams opened up for a 60-yard touchdown. It's He is so confident in his ability to keep a play alive that he sometimes takes a sack.
1: Like, uh, like Russell Wilson. Might like say. Russell
2: Wilson. And honestly, like Patrick Mahomes, it's just... I I think that with him, I think you're going to see a, I, I kind of hope he turns into Russell Wilson because I think he's more talented than Russell Wilson. Sorry, Russell Wilson marks out there. I'm sorry. He is more talented than Russell Wilson. I think he has the most raw talent of anyone in, uh, that is coming into the NFL this year. He is insane. Um, so I am a huge believer in him. I don't think you can go wrong with either him or Lawrence. Like I said, In personal drafts, I'm probably myself going to take Justin Fields because I like having him on my team. But I say this, I do have my uh Debbie League I've been a part of for a few years, and I have both of them.
1: So I'm pretty excited. So I'm very curious where you're going with uh three through five here because depending on who you talk to, it's all over the place. It is. And I know that
2: people think um Zach Wilson is like clearly moving above him, and honestly. I've seen lots of reports saying the teams just objectively think he's better than Justin Fields. I disagree. Um, both
1: drafts I'm looking at, the CBS and the PFF, both have Zach Wilson going ahead of Justin Fields.
2: Yeah, they're wrong. I mean, he probably will. At this point, I do think we will, unless... Um, I do think the interesting situation is if the Jets trade um, for... Deshaun Watson, and they give up the number two pick. And then seeing what Houston does is an interesting one. Uh, The most interesting landing spot I have for Fields is actually, I do think Detroit would be a whole lot of fun. Um, That's where CBS mock has. But I think Detroit would be fun. And my dream scenario has been that Atlanta figures out a way to move on from Matt Ryan and they take Justin Fields. That would be my preferred because him throwing to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley means that those Justin Fields shares that I have out there, they're super valuable. Um, but number three on my list is not Zach Wilson. It is not Trey Lance. It's Matt Jones. Um, I am a, so I think there's, there's two schools of thought on this. If you are a team that is close to already being a competitive team and you are a little bit old at quarterback, I think Matt Jones is the least likely to miss of the next bunch. Um, and I say this, uh, just because I I do like running value. I love the ability to run, and I think that there is a lot of upside in fantasy for running. But I also think that Mac Jones is going to have a high draft capital. I think a team is going to see him as someone they can just plug in to their offense, and he is going to be able to pass effectively. Now, he is probably capped at like quarterback 10 in any given season but I think he is the safest to consistently be between quarterback 10 and quarterback 15 of this next bunch. I don't see a, I don't see fail rates with him as high as I do with the next two. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I understand people are, are probably drawn to the little bit more attractive players. Um, I mean, obviously Zach Wilson is a, is a very attractive young man. Um, but I, I understand why people prefer the the more mobile quarterbacks to Mac Jones. But truthfully, he was incredibly productive this year. Uh, film guys will tell you that they saw a lot of really, really good traits in him. And I, I do think that for me, he is just the safest of this bunch. And so if you're very close to um, being competitive, if you're, if you're a contender and you just need that second quarterback position in a super flex league to be locked up, he's a guy that I do like because... So I think I honestly, I would say he is a player you're drafting. If you're looking for like mid, like that Andy Dalton run, right? right? Andy Dalton where yes, he's never going to be the dude that you love starting as your QB one, but you feel okay with him. If he's your QB two, because you know, you're not getting regular stinkers out of him. All right. Yeah. Number four, Zach Wilson. Um, I get, I get the love. I, I really do. Um, He had a 12.48 adjusted yards per attempt this year with 32 passing touchdowns and three interceptions. The team was a whole lot of fun this year. He rushed for 10 touchdowns, completed 73% of his passes. It looks like he's going to be the second quarterback drafted. That's all great. I'm really thrown off by his 6.88 adjusted yards per attempt and nine interceptions to just 11 touchdowns in 2019. Um, I love seeing improvement year over year. But that's a little bit scary um and that by the way i I haven't mentioned fumbles much because I think like I think I'm with you fumbles are a little bit fluky but for all the love of Zach Wilson his passing numbers aren't better than Mac Jones and his rushing numbers yes they're better but he rushed for 265 yards on 69 attempts this year he didn't rush for 500 yards he his 10 touchdowns yeah there's there's 10 touchdowns there do you think he's rushing this much in the n f l if he was a seventy rush attempt guy in college
1: no i mean uh, and, he, and he's only like he's what six three two hundred and ten pounds right now like he's he's yeah. not he's not big i just i i think that he is a he
2: is a very fun prospect, and i think there's a reason why n f l drafts of, or why n f l scouts are starting to fall in love with him. I just say that I don't think i'm totally happy writing off that 2019 season completely.
1: And I maybe- think he's I think he's the next Daniel Jones, honestly, where he'll have some some splash plays, some, some exciting games where people think he could become the guy, but never becomes the guy. That's what I think so, about that.
2: So, that's fun. And I, I do like him. I don't want to make it seem like I don't like him. I, I think this class has quite a bit of talent. And my last guy on my list is actually not in the box score scout. It's Trey Lance, and I'm going to actually just quickly pull up his stats because, well, I don't have them in front of me. And unfortunately, it's not super easy to find uh, stats for non-FBS players, but that's just the one game. Eh, screw it. I don't care. Um, I don't need stats for him. Just know that he was an incredible player at last, in
1: 2019. he, I think he rushed for like if you'd like he 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 completed 67 percent of his passes yeah. for 2786 yards yards per attempt were 9.7 28 yeah. touchdowns to zero interceptions
2: yeah uh, incredible player in 2019 um, and he went for 1100 yards <laughs> that's the key is he is yeah. a he is the one you're taking if you are looking for the next lamar and um If you're looking for the next, I should say, if you're looking for the next Lamar and you're not taking Justin Fields, then you're taking Trey Lance because that's, that's what you're hoping for is you're hoping that he comes to the NFL and he rushes for eight touchdowns per year and adds in six to 700 yards rushing. Maybe the the comp that you're looking for, um, for him is like Josh Allen, um, is his, is his ceiling. I think Josh Allen is probably what your, your fingers crossed, hoping he turns into maybe early years, Cam Newton, Um, I think he has a lot of upside. I think I, I, unfortunately, I think his career goes one of two ways. I think he either becomes a superstar. And like I said, Josh Allen is probably where I see his upside or he gets his coach fired and, uh, really he kind of quickly falls out of the league. Um, I don't see a situation where Trey Lance becomes middle of the road and just kind of hangs around for a while because I think his,
1: He's he's very bipolar in his outcomes. Do you if you had to place a wager on which one it is, where are you landing? I'm guessing because you have five, you would bet. I lean, I lean fail, but yeah, I lean fail, but I don't feel like I'm not
2: super confident one way or the other. I think guys with that type of production are can be successful, and I don't I don't think he's bad. I just i i choose to be a little as as would be you would assume by me having Mac Jones at three. I am slightly more risk averse, which is why Trask is like not anywhere near this top five for me.
1: Yeah, Um, let's uh, we're we're uh, we're always running out of time here. So So let's 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 do running back, which goes quickly
2: because running back sucks. Um, One is Najee Harris. We all watched him this year. We all saw him hurdle a dude that was standing up.
1: and then run 50 more yards. <laughs> I think
2: he's actually a better receiver than uh, my number two on my list, who's obvious. But uh, I think he's a better receiver than him. And I think that that's maybe an undervalued part of his game. I think he's the best all, all around back in this. I don't care about his age because let's be real. I don't care if he gets a second contract. Right. I'm gonna, Realistically, I'll probably try and sell him after three years in the league. Uh, number two on my list is Travis Etienne. I think he's going to at the pro day, he's probably going to run like a four one one because pro day numbers are fake. But I think his real, his real time is probably like a low four, four, maybe a four, three, eight type range. He's really fast and he has breakaway speed. And I think that's valuable. Um, We've seen it. uh, There's a reason he has been the centerpiece of the, has been really at the center of a Clemson offense that had Trevor Lawrence. He's really, really good. And I think no one should overlook that. Um, and this is when, and number three is where the debates really start to begin. I'm not a big believer in this dude that I have at number three, which is weird because I have him number three, but it's Javante Williams. Um, for me, it's really hard to argue with the fact that the dude had 19 touchdowns and averaged over 7 in, or 7.2 yards per carry. Uh, he was insane this year on 157 recept, or 157 rushing attempts. He had over 1,100 yards and 19 touchdowns. That's kind of bonkers. Running backs do not go over 10% on their uh, touchdown ratio per attempt. It's not touchdown ratio, touchdown rate. Um, It's bonkers. We knew what you meant. meant. And then um, he had 25 receptions, so well over my two that I look for. So really, really good player. I hope he gets draft capital. I've actually seen people that prefer his teammate. Michael Carter. I, I don't care. Yeah, Michael Carter, who I I can say his name because he's not on my list. Um, for me, I think he is. He very well might be like a Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is an amazing player. He's an amazing talent, but like every single running back, it all sort of depends on how good is your landing spot. I think he has the all the talent to be amazing and he could become a superstar. My only question is he's not going to get he's not getting round one because there's only one running back in this class that has round one capital. And I think there's, he might be back end around two and I'm not even positive that he's going to be one of the top three drafted. So I, I, he's actually a dude I think would have benefited from a combine. I think he's going to get pretty solid numbers at pro day, but I think he would have benefited from a combine because he appears to be very athletic. So whatever. Right. Right. Number four on my list is not the consensus. Number four. It's because it's a dude I love and a dude that I've seen play football a whole lot and I think he's great. Uh, it's Jermar Jefferson. Ooh, okay. Jermar Jefferson, if he played on the East Coast, people would love him. Um, or, but be, or yeah. heck, if he played for a winning team, I think more people would love him. But because he played for quite a bad team, um, he was kind of just one of those dude that every once in a while you saw in highlights. Um, but... I guess I'll ask you because you saw him or you watched his uh, his huge game this year. Yep. And I, I mean, is there any doubt when you saw him play that that dude was kind of special?
1: No, he's so special. And he just, I get sick of watching him like waltz into the end zone. Like the dude yep. is a, a freak athlete. Um, I think, like you said, if he if he's not playing for the Beavers, there's a lot more buzz around him. I think he's going to be a very solid player. My only concern like for so many running backs is, is landing spot.
2: Yeah. So he, so as a freshman, he had 1,380 yards and 12 touchdowns um, rushing on the ground. He had, or in the air, he had 25 receptions for 147 yards. So his, his usage in the passing game was we'll throw it to you, but he isn't really converting a lot. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to become like this elite pass catching back, but he at least showed that he's not a guy you have to take off the field. He is the reason why he fell off a lot of lists and why he didn't start to have that buzz again after 2019 was in 2019. He had a setback. He see, he was a little bit dinged up all year. Uh, only 142 rush attempts, 685 yards and eight touchdowns uh, had nine receptions, whatever. Again, I don't really care about that for him because I don't think of him that way. Um, But then this is the crazy thing for me is he only played in six games in 2020 compared to the nine from 2019 in 2020 in six games. He had 858 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, I think the dude looks like a complete running back. I think he is. He's not going to be an elite receiver, but he's not a liability. And he just seems to have this rush explosiveness that I want to see for my running back. Every running back is landing spot dependent. That's why every single one of these lists is sort of garbage until a player gets drafted. But on pre draft value, I think he is a guy that a team is gonna fall in love with when they watch his tape. And when you look at it, dive into his numbers, he looked like he improved after having that one down year.
1: Um and I love to see it. So that is yeah, my I think, great, I think it's a great pick. And if you wanna like if you want if you're wanting to see some exciting tape on him, just yeah. watch the Oregon game from the fourth game of the Pac-12 this this year and you'll be wowed by him. He he, he looked just tremendous. And running back
2: 5 and this is one that's definitely going to shock some people because there are other good running backs. Um he did not play in 2020. Cuz my running back 5 is Kenneth Gainwell. Okay. I think people forgot how freaking good he was um when in offense was kind of set up to be like an effective running offense, but he exploited the crap out of it. And we kind of forget he was not the expected starter for Memphis at the beginning of the 2019 season. They had a running back by the name of Patrick Taylor, who was expected to be their lead guy. Patrick Taylor, who had rushed for, I'm going to quickly pull the Patrick Taylor rushed for 1,100 yards and 16 touchdowns um was the expected leader of the offense coming into the 2019 season. He got dinged up in the first game and he never got the ball back. Like he he was used, but he never got the lead role because Kenneth Gainwell had 231 rush attempts for 1459 yards so averaging 6.3 yards per carry, turned that into 13 touchdowns and you're like, "Okay, so that's fine." Like, whatever. That's I mean, that's real solid. Cool. He also had 51 receptions for 610 yards and three touchdowns. Kenneth Gainwell was a, an absolute freak of a player in 2019. And I think people just kind of forgot. Uh, yeah. I hope that he took this time. Now, he, everyone probably realizes um, he sat out the 2020 season because there were a lot of people who like were questionable and why they decided to opt out. Oh, was it whatever? Is their draft stock not going to be able to? Kenneth Gainwell had a lot of family members die of COVID. <clears throat> and for him, it was very like, it was personal. It, it it really did affect him in a real, like real life way. And he, he made the decision that it was in his best interest to just sit out and miss the season because he didn't feel like it was worth the risk. Not, you know what? I applaud anyone who made that decision because I know in his heart, he probably, <clears throat> excuse me, wanted to play football this year, but I know people forgot him and I know people just were sitting here looking at who played in the 2020 season. And that's where they're going to think the dude was a monster. And if he added a little bit of weight, if he's close to that 200 pound Mark, when he gets uh, drafted, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a freak in the NFL. And I, I hope that NFL teams go back and look at that 2019 season closely because the dude was awesome. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a ton to say about him. I think he is he's just an underrated dude that I in a vacuum, no landing spot, really only kind of thinking about draft capital, because I think he's probably gonna get I think he's gonna land in a similar place that like Kareem Hunt did. So kind of back end around three. Um, I think that's where he's gonna be. And I think that's good enough as long as it's a decent landing
1: spot. So I'm cool with that. Um, wide receiver actually is tricky though. I think it's interesting that uh, we don't have to talk about it, but a notable major drop for you is Chuba Hubbard because he was going into the year. It sucks for him that,
2: number one, he was dinged up quite a bit of the year. He really should not, honestly, he should have opted out when all the shit happened over the summer. Um, I think people kind of forget he hated his coach. Um, He was very close to just walking away from the team, and And he should have. Unfortunately, yeah. his team was really set up for failure this year because they they needed to lean on him early while their quarterback progressed. Their quarterback got injured in game 1 and they were like, "Oh, well, we're just going to go all in on Chuba and the run." I mean, they had one of the worst offensive lines in the Power 5. And statistically through like their first 3 or 4 weeks, I think they were the worst offensive line. So, I felt yeah. for him. Um, and then as the year wore on it, it became pretty clear that he had checked out on the year. And, uh, I think it was Desmond Jackson really started to jump in and fill in for him and he was effective. So they didn't lean on Chuba Hubbard as hard. Chuba Hubbard is hard. It's just a bummer. I really wish he would have come out last year because I think his value would have been a lot higher. But yeah. right now and I he- think he's, he's a dude that, I mean, if, you can't argue with his, his, um, talent. I think everyone saw that he was an incredibly talented player. And I, I hope that NFL team takes him high and I hope I'm wrong. I, I really hope he's one of the five best ones in this class, but I mean, 4.7 yards per carry. And I mean, a huge drop-off from the previous season is just, it's hard to ignore. And it's a bummer. I love Chuba Hubbard. I, again, I, I'm going to tell this story every time I fall in love with him watching a spring game where he had two touchdowns. He's, he is a incredibly fun player to watch. And I hope that I'm wrong, but let's get to the position that like is actually difficult. Um, because while running back is difficult because it's, it's really, it feels like a two or three person class, depending on who you ask. Um, wide receivers, like a 30 person class, right? There's so many good ones. Um, and so one is, <clears throat> I think there's debate around this, but my number one is Jamar chase. And, it's just because for his good... So everyone has been watching this year. They've watched Justin Jefferson turn into a superstar. You want to know who is the alpha in that Louisiana State offense? It was Jamar Chase, who had right. 1,780 yards, averaging over 21 yards per reception, had 20 touchdowns, and had a dominator rating of 0.33 at the age of 19.8. So he's only 20. I he'll probably be 21 when he gets drafted. So he's not old and he has an absurd season on his resume. I kind of love it. And I kind of, I, I, I mean, the people will, the film guys, because I'm not a film guy, will tell you that he was a pretty much a freak and he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school and was really special. So I, I'm keeping Jamar Chase. I'm not knocking him because he sat out the year. I hope he looks the same physically that he did during this run. Excuse me. Um, you're getting all choked up over there. No, I got, I'm coughing and I've got water that is sparkling water that is causing me to burp. So it's just not a great combination right now. So, um, uh, whatever. Number two is Devonta Smith. Uh, so my guy who I'm going to go on Travis's podcast and debate, uh, Ray GQ. Um, I learned what it actually was because I, Last time I called him Ray CQGR, whatever, I made it up. But Ray, Ray GQ um, was arguing with himself because he was turning it into BMI Twitter hated him. Fun fact, BMI Twitter is like 22 people out of the like 3 million people on Twitter. Um, yes, is his BMI low? Yes. Is he going to get high draft capital? Yeah. So I don't give a shit about BMI. Um, <laughs> so the thing I told you about Combine Explorer, the reason why I think it's, more of a writing mechanism than it is for um, actual analysis is because athleticism only matters if it affects draft capital. Where is Devonta Smith going to get drafted, in your opinion? Just range. Top top 10? Yeah. Do you give a shit if he's a little bit small then? Nope. So the dude had a .47 dominator rating this year. He had 55% of his team touchdowns. He had 23 touchdowns this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm I going to, and everyone, I, I know it's fun because I've always said you have to look at Alabama with nuance. You have to, <laughs> Well, and and this year was a little bit weird because Waddle went wow. out, but here's the thing. When there were four wide receivers on that team, so there's going to end up being four wide receivers on this Alabama team from 2019 that get drafted in the first round because Judy and Ruggs did it last year and Waddle and um, Smith are going to do it this year. What do you think his dominator rating was in 2019? I have no idea. It was no a 0.28. So <clears> he <throat> was very close to a breakout season when he was playing with three other first round picks.
1: Right.
2: Yeah. I get it. BMI Twitter might be a thing. I get it. I'm sorry. Stop arguing. If if you're against Devonta Smith, then you're doing it wrong. He's not that old. He's, 20, he's only 22 this year. So he's not young, but he's not old. But the dude just put up one of the best wide receiver seasons in recent memory, and I—I I mean, that's it. That's all you have to say. It's—it's it's absurd. I'm putting Chase above him because I think Chase had an equally good year the year before, and he's a little bit younger, and I think they're going to have pretty equal capital. But that's personal preference, right. and I think you can make a case for either one. Number three is Jalen Waddle. I talked about him a, a ton this year. I wish he, God, I wish he would have had not gotten hurt um and i also wish you wouldn't have played the national championship because it was less fun to watch but for his career the dude averaged 18.8 yards per reception um he had 106 receptions for his career so not a ton over three years um yeah but he turned that into 17 receiving touchdowns so that's pretty stupid um and the thing that i always mention with him is that they when so you're talking about that he's the one that I say grade with nuance because yes his production profile looks kind of crappy it's kind of like Henry Ruggs last year except for the fact that the one thing we saw is that they were so adamant about getting the ball in his hands that they put the kid out there on punts um, right right and yep. he made people look silly yep yeah he looked made people look silly on punts so love Jalen Waddle I think he uh, he's gonna his numbers at the pro day, again, I think pro day numbers are stupid, but he's going to put up something something ridiculous. So, um, whatever. Um, I know I'm I'm being a little dismissive of a lot of this, but the truth is, I think that Jalen Waddle to me is he's a high risk prospect because his profile kind of sucks from a production angle, but he's also just looks like a monster. Hmm, yeah, I agree with that. I, I I like Waddle a lot. Number four is a guy that you should love him. If you don't love him, you're doing something wrong in your process because this player had a breakout during his freshman season and then he got hurt in his sophomore season. And now, and then he got a little bit dinged up during this season and everyone seems to think that, uh, he sucks. And that guy's name is Rondale Moore. Um, I just want to, I'm going to read off his, uh, His numbers as a freshman, remember he was a freshman uh, at Purdue on a team that Purdue was not this like high-powered offense. He had 114 receptions, 1,258 receiving yards, and 12 touchdowns. That was a uh, .37 dominator at the age of 18 years old. Yeah, that's stupid. Um, Players don't do that. I am not a guy that tells you that breakout age is the end all be all. I'm not the guy that will tell you that age is the only thing that matters. But when there is a freak number in breakout age, you look at it. And if you sit here and go, oh, well, he's not that big. He he might not be that like able to handle all this because look, he's been hurt. I'll go back to when he was a freshman and he squatted 600 pounds. The dude is is definitely highly athletic and is definitely going to be able to handle, uh, the NFL. Uh, I think he is probably going to fold around too, just because I now think that there's some teams that are questioning him, but I don't care. Um, and honestly, I say when I don't, like I said, breakout age to me is not the end all be all, but when there's a glaring one out there from a guy who did it as a freshman, and did at the age of 18 you don't just let it go unnoticed so that's why brondale moore will not fall out of my top five even though i would have a little bit of tough tough time drafting him inside of the top six overall picks just because i'm a little more risk averse right um and then the last, last guy on my list um is rashad bateman uh Minnesota was disappointing this year, but I don't think it was Bateman's fault. I think Tanner Morgan took a pretty big step back. I think their offensive line was regularly having issues. And I think he just wasn't, it just was a bad year for them. But again, breakout age is not an all be all. And, but I love seeing early usage. And can you just remind me who was the guy that was playing with him? At Minnesota in 2018 and 2019, his first two
1: years, sure. not not right now. It's Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson oh, was one of the biggest volume hogs in Who we all of college football. We just saw and, rocking it for the Bucks last week.
2: Yeah, Tyler Johnson is. Oh man, he fell way way late in the draft. He was a seventh round pick. Was he seventh? He might have been six, but he was a day three pick after we all had hyped him up. And the reason we hyped him up is because he's already making an impact on a pretty loaded Bucks team. Right. Um, you want to know who took a lot of volume off him? Rashad Bateman. So as a freshman, again, playing with one of the biggest volume hogs in all of college football, he accounted for 26% of their receiving yards and, 36, and 30% of their touchdowns. So that was 704 receiving yards and six touchdowns at the age of 19 years old. Not good enough for a breakout season. Fine. Whatever. But... Good enough that you sit there and go, huh, who's this Bateman guy that is uh, taking work away from one of the best receivers in college football? Maybe I should note him. Uh, Then, 2019, when he's still alongside Tyler Johnson, by the way, uh, 60 receptions for 1,219 yards and 11 touchdowns. This is a breakout season. It was a .36 dominator. By the way, he also averaged over 20 yards per reception during that stretch. It's just noticeable. It's just really, really good. Um, and then this year it was, it was a down year, but I just want to point out in five games that he played, he accounted for 50% of the team touch receiving touchdowns, 46% of the receiving yards. So 472 yards and two touchdowns. Yes, that is definitely a big, Oh wow. Minnesota's passing offense fell apart and they were still getting him the ball at all costs. So Rashad Bateman was really good. Um, I question I I do worry a little bit about his draft capital, but I also think he's still absurd. So
1: yeah, he's he is my five. I actually have the same five. I just have them in a different order. I have more ahead of Waddle, but um, but That's that's fair, you know. Um, and that's a lot of it. It's just, you know, I I can't get those images of Waddle limping to the sideline in the national championship. Honestly, I, I think like they that. said the, oh. I think the thing they said that
2: he is healthy, but he has to like, he he yeah. just, it's a, I think your ankle feels weird coming back from that. Like yeah, I can just say like, like much different scenario. Like my, I broke the crap out of my arm when I was right out of college, I broke my arm. And uh, for about a year, every time I would throw up because I boxed at that point, Every time I threw punches with my right arm, it felt really weird, but it was healthy, and I wasn't doing damage to it. But it felt weird. Right. Um, I equate it to that in that once
1: you start to get used to it again, it's fine. Um, yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Um, a couple other guys that that I was curious that they would make your list uh, were uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, Terrace Marshall, Tylen Wallace, Elijah Moore, uh, to name a few. I was I thought one of those four might because those those are guys we've I talked love about. All of them. Yeah, I do
2: uh I'm on have Brown. On. uh yeah. I, I I needed him to have this dominate dominant season for him to really take that step forward I think he's good uh I don't think this is the second incarnation of Equinemius Saint Brown that we all fell in love with in college and then all of a sudden he was a seventh round pick I don't think that's what we're gonna see here I think he's a day two pick late day two maybe um Terrace Marshall's really good um he's probably six uh like yeah. I, I really like him. But I the one thing I always like or I want to point out is if you go and look at a season, he had that one huge game where everyone kind of fell in love with him again. Right. And then after that, it was pretty stinky again. So um, I, I just don't know that he he did what you needed to see in this final year when he was the guy to be really elevated. Uh, who are the oh, Tylen Wallace. Tylen Wallace is super awesome. Actually, I take that back. Terrace, Wa- Terrace, Marshall is not my six. Tylen Wallace is my six. Um, he made that offense go, right? We've talked about Oklahoma State's offense had a lot of issues. Tylen Wallace was the only thing that looked good for a lot of that year. And so he's really good. I think he's talented. Um, if you continue to watch reports from like all these different things, they're hyping up Tylen Wallace. It's because he's special. Uh, and then Elijah Moore. I love Elijah Moore. I really do. Um, I don't think anyone can deny the fact that he is good enough to be on an NFL roster. Um, I just don't know with him because he was such a volume hog guy. Um, and while that is a good thing and it translates to him having success in the NFL, um, he's also five foot nine and like 160 pounds. And I do just question a little bit if his capital is going to match what we all kind of see in him. He's one of, I think he was the market share leader in 2019. I didn't look where he was in 2020, but you can't argue with the production. It's just a question of his capital. And because I think his capital is the least secure of the bunch. Um, I just, I'd be a little bit worried taking him in the top five receivers when I do think that the talent is there for some of the guys that I have above him. So, um, yeah, it's a really good receiver class. I think if you are a, a wide receiver needy team, um, this is probably an okay year if you're at like pick three to see if you can trade back a couple spots because I don't think it's going to hurt you. I think there's probably like, yes, Jamar Chase is awesome and I would love to have him on a lot of rosters, but if I was able to get a veteran or a pick plus um, Tylen Wallace, I'm not super, super bummed. So look for deals. If you're at the, if you're a team that needs the help, but, um, yeah, I, I think this is, if you're looking for wide receivers, this is a pretty solid class to do it. in.
1: yeah, I totally agree. I think it's going to be a very deep class. And I think we'll see a lot of, I think we'll see a lot of surprises too, just in the order that they get. I mean, that we always do, but even in the order they get drafted what in the NFL. didn't ask about Kadarius Tony. Oh, he's a No, I was I was putting guys on the list that that I know you liked, not guys <laughs> that I like. I like Kader. I will say I like Kadarius, Tony, but I think
2: anyone who is just sitting here ignoring the fact that it was five percent Dominator, seven percent Dominator, seven percent Dominator, twenty two percent Dominator, right. just I, I'm you can miss me with the you fact miss me with the fact that you think he's better than Rondale Moore. Sorry, he isn't. Right,
1: right. No, I I agree with you. Um, so. I I I do. I mean, I I liked him from the, from the get go. But I also know um, there's a lot, of, like you said, a lot of really great receivers. Um, we'll be back with you guys. In, uh in two weeks, we'll go through kind of the same uh, type of outline here, except we'll be looking at Debbie. We'll look at our, our top five um, at the Debbie position, uh, at our five blah, 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 top five at each position for Debbie purposes. Um, unless, unless we feel like most of the coaching stuff has, has come, has uh, kind of been settled. Although we might do that first, but uh, look for those, uh, coming up pretty soon here thanks again for listening uh we are yeah we're not going anywhere i'm excited for this off season it's gonna be a lot of fun uh excited for the super bowl i lost a bunch of money last week um on the packers and bills that's okay uh we will you know i, I i'll keep on going uh matt anything you want to uh leave our good listeners with bye chris alave there it is we'll talk to y'all later